Hello and welcome to the Keep Going Podcast with Bishop S.Y. Younger. We invite you to share and subscribe. Be sure to follow Bishop Younger across all social media platforms and visit our website at www.bishopyounger.com. Now, let's jump into this week's episode. Jude, Jude, and I'm going to read four verses from Jude. I've been here several times, so I don't have anything to prove tonight. I'm here with family. Verses 1 through verse 4. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men who have snuck in, they have crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained to this assignment, to this condemnation. They are ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen. Share this title with the person beside you and you can be seated. And when we all stand up again, I'll dismiss. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, don't lose your faith. Don't lose your faith. Hallelujah. Don't lose your don't lose your faith. This, this epistle is a little strange epistle um, from the mere fact that the authorship is said to be the brother of James, but James is the brother of Jesus. He makes his reference to James, maybe because James would have been considered to be the first in the episcopacy, been the head of the council of Jerusalem. This book makes a reference to another text uh, that we don't even carry in our canonized scriptures. It talks about the prophecy of uh, Enoch. It talks about the prophecy, and we don't have that Old Testament prophecy. All we know is he walked close to God, and he was no more. No, not a lot of chapters. As a matter of fact, that's why I didn't give you a chapter reference. Uh, and it exposed you that we're waiting for it. <laughs> it's, it's a short letter, almost similar to the reference of what we call minor prophets in the Old Testament. Minor, not because of the uh, diminishing value of its uh, worth and message. Only minor because of the size of the book. I would say the same thing about Jude. Small text, but heavy in weight. As a matter of fact, it's almost like God interrupted Jude's letter. He starts off, says, I'm going to write to you about salvation, something you know about, right? And then all of a sudden, he says, but, 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 I feel led to talk to you about having an apologetic stance. 
that word apologetic can be misleading. Not an apology, but apologetic. In other words, having a defense, not for your pastor's name or your church name, but having a defense for the faith. For the faith. Somebody shout the faith. The faith. Fight. Hallelujah. Contend for. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost and I ain't even screaming. Contend. Tell your neighbor, contend for the faith. You know song lyrics and praise breaks, but you better know how to contend for, hallelujah, contend for the faith. And this is what I want you to realize, that our faith is an ancient faith. It said the faith that was delivered unto us. In other words, you don't get to make it up. You don't get to put it together. Hallelujah. You don't get to create a faith that soothes you and compliments you and that's convenient for you. Tell your neighbor, this is a delivered faith. This is a faith that was passed to us. And anytime we talk about ancient faith, we're talking about something that did not come from recent history, but something that has been preserved down through time. Somebody shout ancient faith. We talk about fathers or our church fathers in apostolia we will bring up great names such as bishop smallwood williams and we'll bring up people like bishop lawson hallelujah we'll we'll talk about uh paw's prized preachers there shall be light in the evening time we, we we'll talk about the christ temple lineage we'll go as even far as apostolic faith on azusa street but when we talk about the ancient fathers we're going beyond the generation of our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents. When you go to school, I don't want to bore you, I promise, I'm almost there. When we go through our seminaries in Christendom and our schools of academia, they will lift up people as Jerome, Ambrose, and hallelujah, those in the Athanasius, Tertullian. They will say, these are our ancient church fathers glory be to god anytime you talk to individuals about church history especially those in catholicism they will start taking you through the papacy of rome uh, but biblically hallelujah if you want to talk about the ancient church fathers you got to go beyond Rome. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, the roots of our church is not in Rome. The roots of our church is in Jerusalem, A.D. 33. And when the day of Pentecost, turn my monitors up and I'll finish. On the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were all in one place with one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Y'all hear as a mighty Russian wind and what it happened it filled the house where they were sitting oh it ain't in Rome hallelujah I'm not waiting for the smoke to come out of the chimney to declare who's the leader of the church the foundation has already been laid I said the foundation of our faith is laid upon the apostles and the prophets 
prophets and, and the Bible says when they were pricked in their heart, come on y'all help me with the faith, they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, my God, what shall we do? I know this is old fashioned, but they says then Peter said unto them, I need you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, then Peter, then Peter, hallelujah the one that Jesus says, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood have not revealed this unto you but my father within Peter said unto them repent I need you to push somebody tell them it's still necessary oh I know you said a sinner's prayer but ain't nowhere in the scripture where it says repeat after me it says them that call it on the name of the Lord shall be saved. After you repent, you got to be baptized. You got to be baptized. His water was hindering you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive that the gift of the Holy Ghost. Ancient. Ancient faith. Not faith for a car in a house. Ancient ancient faith. Y'all be seated and I say when we stood up we would dismiss I'm going to ask you to try to uh, restrain yourself until I get to the last point. So what does the ancient faith look like? What does it look like? Because I am convinced that if we don't rediscover hallelujah and we don't revisit what the ancient faith is that we will grow up a whole generation of people who know church but don't know God. If, if we don't start Sunday school again, some sort of Bible study, if we don't get back to our YPWWs, YPAAs, all those letters, we're going to raise up a generation that knows how to dance. But when they go to the university, they're going to start questioning everything they were ever taught. Hallelujah. We don't rediscover it again that our faith, our ancient faith is a faith that believes in the miraculous. Mm. That believes in the miraculous. And I know as we sit here and have this conversation... If I ask in, in here tonight how many of you all believe in miracles, most of us would raise our hands. But the truth is, there are a whole lot of us that are holding on to testimonies of people that are no longer living. Yes. Uh, we, we don't hear it said anymore and testified anymore about the miraculous power of God. We got appeal for everything. My God. And before we, before, we, before we pray, we used to at least go by the bottle of oil. But now in the saint's house, there's no oil on the mantle anymore. There's no oil on the dresser anymore. But I need you to look at somebody and tell them, I still believe in miracles. I, I still believe in the testimonies that said I went to the doctor and the doctor said I had a tumor and I went to the church and we had prayer meeting and when we went back the doctor took another x-ray and the doctor says the tumor that I thought I saw I don't see anymore. Tell somebody I still believe in miracles. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because there are sensationalists that say that the miraculous power of God was limited 
to a particular dispensation. And then when the last apostle died, which would have been John on the Isle of Patmos, miracles ceased to exist. And I don't want to start no fight in here. But if you know that your living right now is a miracle, just stand up and you can just sit back down. Tell the people around you, tell them you're looking at a miracle. Come on, tell somebody you're looking at an authentic miracle. I am a documented miracle. Hallelujah. So, we got to make sure that we remind this present generation that something happens when we lay hands. Hallelujah. Believed in it so much that I was in Gretna, Virginia, a one stoplight town. Came across the radio. Bishop William L. Bonner said, Tonight I'm going to retire. It was one of his times he retired. He says, I'm going to be at the Greensboro Coliseum tonight. And I'm going to lay hands on everybody. I believed in the power of laying hands that I drove a car that should not have made it. I'm talking about the kind where you got to stop and check the oil and the water. The oil for the motor and the water for the radiator. Because I believed in the power of the laying on of hands. What is this ancient faith? Hear me now. This ancient faith is, is the faith that believes that holy living is still necessary. All right. I should have let the choir sing a little longer so we could have shouted. I said that holy living is still necessary. In other words, it matters who sings on the praise team. It matters who plays the instruments. It matters who stands at the door. Tell your neighbor, it's still necessary. I don't care if it's the pastor's son. I don't care if it's the church mother's grandchild. Tell your neighbor, holy living is still necessary. Oh, it matters. Hallelujah. Don't you let the devil trick you. You'll end up having a form of godliness and denying the power thereof. My God, I'm not going to fight over you about what you wear, but you got to live holy. Hey, holiness is still in, holiness is still right in 2022. And it's important, it's important that we have Bishop Telly this conversation is important because when I grew up in the holiness church in my small town, we didn't even know the word apostolic. It was just holiness. Amen. Well, we grew up in the holiness church. Uh, it was strongly law-based. Strongly law-based. And if you grew up in classical Pentecostalism, <laughs> you got to see. Yes, we had Acts 2.38 and, and additional more ordinances and commands. You know, yeah, you were saved after you, got, after you spoke in tongues, but then you got to make sure you come to morning service and night service. <laughs> Forgetting out the assembling together. Amen. Make sure you pay your tithe. And, you know. So you got to have Acts 2.38 and evening service and tithe and offering, you know. 
you know. And the list kept going, really. It really kept going. So it's strongly law-based. And so now we've come into this, this culture because we read now. <laughs> and when I was growing up, when Bishop said something, we didn't question it, right? And some of y'all are a little proud. I still don't question when my bishops say stuff. I, I really don't. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I get to choose who my leader is. And when I, when I, because all these churches you can go to, when you sit in a house, don't sit under a leader that you're going to rebel against. Don't do all this church and then go to hell for rebellion. If you don't want to be here, you don't have to be here. Come on, somebody. And so it's very law based. But now we've come into this knowledge of grace. And in this knowledge of grace, we said, okay, you know, maybe I shouldn't be walking around on a booby trap all the time as though God is always ready to send me to hell as soon as I say something or think something wrong. You know, and I love it. I'm thankful for it because I was growing up in church and even after I spoke in tongues, if the preacher says, if Jesus will come back right now, if you're not sure you're going back, I want you to come down to this altar and all of us will come. <laughs> Already been baptized, shouted, spoke, just finished speaking in tongues. But we were never sure. So I like it now that I have this understanding that there's grace for my shortcomings. There's grace for my weakness. There's grace for my struggle. But I need to remind you that grace is not weak. Grace is not just there to catch us when we fall. But grace is also there to keep us from falling. Jesus says, my grace is sufficient. But the Bible says, in the last days, there will be many that will turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How can we who are dead to sin live any longer therein? I need you to tell somebody, holy living is still necessary. All that tongue talking, you shouldn't still be smoking. Holy living is still necessary. All that tongue talking, you shouldn't still be gossiping. Holy living, y'all not saying to me, is still necessary. How are you going to shack up and leave the house shacking and then come to the church and serve? Even they tell you in the restaurant, if you go to the bathroom, all employees must wash their hands before going back to work. <laughs> So my prayer is that we'll get conviction. Because what we're learning how to do, we're learning how to sin smartly. Let me tell you the difference in that in conviction. Conviction is, Lord, I'm sorry, and nobody knows about it. I'm talking about you all that knew how to sit yourself down. Or come to church late. So nobody will ask questions why you're not in the choir stand. Okay. Because holy living. Ancient faith, they realized that. They, they realized that the way we lived was a 67th epistle. I only got uh, five points and that was point two. So I'll go to point three real quick. Ancient faith. 
the ancient faith, in the ancient faith of the church that Jude tells us we need to contend for, God was never divided. God was never, God was never divided. You have to realize because the, the ancient church, the first converts, the first believers were Jews. They were people of the way. They never considered that this was starting a new religion. This is the continuum of Judaism. Hmm. It's the fulfillment of the prophets. Hallelujah. Every morning, these Jewish men will cover themselves in their tallit. Hallelujah. Holding on to the fringes and the zizits. And declaring Shema, Yisrael, Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai, Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. I need you to push somebody to tell him he's not divided. Hallelujah. When you got Jesus, you got everything. Mm. Somebody asked me, they said, Bishop Young, are you Jesus only? I said, no, 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 I'm Jesus everything. Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the noonday. Hallelujah. Who else is it? He's the Father in creation. He's the Son in redemption. He's the Holy Ghost in this church. Some of y'all have got tight on me, but I want you to put your hand on your neighbor's shoulder and tell him, when you got Jesus, you got everything. I need somebody to open up your mouth and praise him. Yes, I would, I would admit that there is a complexity with understanding the dynamics of the Godhead. I know, I know that it's complex, it is. Uh, I know it is because the disciples walked with him. And initially it was complex to them. Especially because in our scriptures, there's a reference even in the epistle salutations concerning God being Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And under an improper lens, you would automatically consider that these references is given deity to separate people. Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe, I'm a little tired, but I, I, I know where I'm at. Believe also in me, in my Father's house. There are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And, uh, and he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And the way I go, you know. When I'm lifted up, says, Lord. We don't know the way. How can we know the way? Jesus says, I am that way. The truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. Glory be to God. And so they says, all right, you keep making this reference to the Father. So it says, Lord, show us. Hallelujah. Show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. He says, how long have I been with you? I'm sorry, still get stirred up off the faith. You that have seen me oh, have seen the Father. I need you to scream at somebody, tell them God is not divided. 
Hey, when he said you got to come through me, he says you got to come through my flesh. When you got to come through me, you got to come through my sacrifice. You got to come through the sonship of God. Oh, to experience the deity of God. Oh God. His flesh is the curtain, the veil that was rent. God, God is not hey, God is not divided. Hallelujah. Mary was carrying him, and he was carrying her. Hallelujah. God is not divided. It don't take three persons to beat one devil. God is not divided. If you don't believe me, go into eschatology. Look over into the future. And John said, I looked up and I saw one throne. And there was one that sitteth on the throne. Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, he's not divided. That was the understanding of the ancient church. That God was not, God was not divided. Because... For a people group who were strictly Jews, if they would have ascribed deity to anybody outside of Yahweh, they would have automatically considered that they had adopted the polytheistic mindset and ideology of the Hellenistic Greco world that had multiple heads. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to one God. Whoo, glory be to God. And so they understood once you followed a rabbi long enough and became a disciple of that rabbi, you would then be baptized unto that rabbi just as the Israelites were baptized unto Moses in the Old Testament. This is why when Apostle Paul came to the upper coast of Ephesus, he found certain disciples. And when he found them, he says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And they says, we have not even heard that there be a Holy Ghost. Well, he asked them a question, and it's, and it's a little offensive today if you ask this question. But he asked them, well, how are you baptized? I need you to scream at somebody tell them it matters, it matters. How were you baptized? Oh, how were you baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. And listen, Paul got more wisdom than some of us have. Because Paul didn't say, well, you were wrong. Paul says, verily, you did what was available to you. You walked in what you knew. I'm not trying to tell you you ain't saved. I'm not trying to tell you you're not a disciple. But he said, but don't forget what he said. Hallelujah. Don't, don't forget what he said, that there was one coming after. Hallelujah. And when they heard it, he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Ask the person beside you. Ask him, how were you baptized? Whose name is on you? Who's your rabbi? Who's your teacher? Who's your God? I've been down. 
in Jesus' name. God is not divided. Will you lean over to somebody and tell them God can't be explained. He can only be revealed. In my head, I can't wrap my mind around it. But in my spirit, he's never divided. He that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And when I worship Glory be to God. I got some things that I'm flexible with. But when it comes to the name, hallelujah. I stood in a seminary of the largest Christian university in our country. And they tried to make me sign a ledger and a document that says I believe that God is one substance and three divine equal eternal persons. And as ecumenical as I am and non-denominational in my fellowship, I was willing to do what I needed to do to be in fellowship, but change what I believe about God. Hallelujah. If you don't want to dance, hallelujah. Episcopalians, don't dance. Hallelujah. Catholic church, if you don't want to have a black rocking choir, don't have no choir. But at the end of the day, hallelujah, there's one way to God. And it's not through Mary. That's one way to God. It's not through Muhammad who came 600 years after Jesus. It's not through Joseph Smith who came 1900 years after Jesus. Our ancient faith is on the one true and living God. God is not divided. Oh man, I, I kind of, this should have been my last point. I got a little caught up. Okay. I only got two points left. Thank you so much. We, we, got a, we got three and a half hours to drive. He's not divided. Hallelujah. He's not divided. Uh, number four, and I only got five. What is our ancient faith? An aspect of our ancient faith that has always been a part of the foundation of our faith. 
is modesty. Modesty. Something that we want to extract from our apostolic faith. Because now we want to teach that we're so free and liberated. But y'all not going to put that yoke on me. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. But Apostle Paul says, I hear what you're saying. All things are lawful. But they're not all expedient. Modesty. I'm trying to find out why you think it's okay. It's nothing wrong with you going on vacation. I want you to go on vacation. But why do you think it's okay and necessary for to post all of your vacation pictures on social media? Modesty. Modesty. Why? I understand that that you they call us as apostolics primitive and antiquated. But I don't believe we should go at the speed of the world. Let's excel in the systems of the world with technology. But when it comes to what's proper, when it comes to standard, we can't go with the speed of the world. We got to walk it out slowly. Because if we don't walk it out slowly, by the time the world has gone over the edge, we'll be going too fast to put on brakes. It's called binding and loosing. Now, in our Pentecostal churches, we, we use the word binding and loosing a lot when it comes to, um, am I okay with what I'm saying? I'm certainly sick. Kind of too late now and put it out there. If you don't see me on a flyer next year, you know what happened, all right? Now, when we pray in church, you know, we bind the hand of the enemy and we loose the spirit of God. And I'm not bashing you for that. I do it too, right? But if you look at the concept of binding and loosing, Sean Gore, it really doesn't have a lot to do with prayer as much as it deal with the elders coming together or the apostles coming together binding and loosing in other words releasing and restricting what's permissible hallelujah and what's not but see we're in an hour now where we don't want to be submitted to anybody and anything that's why we need church mothers again that tap young ladies on their kneecaps but it's hard for the church mothers to do it because the church mothers are too busy trying to be cougars. I got to block some church mothers on Facebook. Y'all not sending them in here. We still need brothers. We still need mentors and church fathers that tell us what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. We still need to sit in sound counsel with people before you mark up your skin. You're not even married yet and you got your past written all over your body. You need a conversation with somebody before you get another piercing. You need to be submitted to somebody. 
Modesty. Head coverings and tight dresses. Modesty. And every time we talk about something tight, we want to throw it on the women. But what about the men in church now? Modesty. There's some things that only your wife should see. There's some things that only your husband should see. Modesty. I know some of y'all that got mad in here with me right now. I'm going to preach anyway. Look at your neighbor and tell you, it's ancient faith. It's ancient faith to sit at the feet of your leaders and say, am I okay? Correct me and I'm not going to get mad. Glory be to God. But we so easily offended now. And we call it spiritual warfare. That ain't spiritual warfare. It's just your pride. I'll close with this ancient faith. Ancient faith. Ancient faith. Let me tell you my fifth and last point, Connie, on ancient faith. What is ancient faith? Ancient faith is the, the expectation and the desire to suffer. I knew there wasn't going to be a praise break moment. Right? The expectation. And even an underlying desire. Now, we, don't have, we, don't, we don't hear that anymore. That word of faith, charismatic movement, even though it gave us some good things, you know, praying in the spirit. You know, we didn't do that growing up. You had to go through several transformations physically before you could speak in tongues. You know, the charismatics, they gave us laying out in the floor. You know, we didn't lay in the floor. We rolled in the floor, but not lay. Slain in the spirit. What you mean slain? They would say, come out, come out. You know, they. But something they polluted us with is that idea of if I'm going through something, it means my faith is off. And my prosperity is a reflection of my favor. And if you give enough money, and if you have enough faith, it will eliminate the presence of pain in your life. When ancient faith says that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings ancient faith is after you have suffered oh wow see everybody want to be anointed for the pulpit but tell your neighbor you got to be anointed for pain you got to be expecting that them that live godly must I'm dealing growing up in God with the Holy Ghost and dealing with my own afflictions, dealing with mental afflictions, dealing with spiritual afflictions and considering maybe I didn't have the Holy Ghost like everybody else had. I'm serious. Because they didn't tell their pre their, you know, their first beginning testimonies. They always told, I've been saved all day. When you see me coming, I got them on my mind and I got the Holy Ghost when I was 12. Only challenge is that the Holy Ghost didn't 
having the Holy Ghost at 12 did not mean I get to skip the growth and maturation. So I had to still deal with some things like everybody else. So it made me, my own afflictions made me question whether I had what everybody else had. Until I read this one scripture that delivered me. This one scripture delivered. Are y'all ready for this one scripture? Many are the afflictions. Scream at somebody, tell them, I must be righteous. With everything I've been going through, everything I've been dealing with, I must be righteous. I need you to grab somebody and say, neighbor, whatever you do, don't lose your faith. You're going to have to go through some things. The more anointed you are, you're going to have to deal with some things. But I heard Apostle Paul says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. Pull on your neighbor and say, oh, neighbor, cry if you have to cry. Y'all not saying that. Said, oh, neighbor, cry if you have to cry. But whatever you do, whatever you do, don't lose your faith. Don't lose your faith. Sometimes you got to worship with tears. Sometimes you got to pull yourself up out of the bed. But I want you to testify to somebody near you and tell them after everything I've been through, after everything I've suffered, I still believe. I still believe. I still believe. Jesus began to preach to them. I said, if you're going to follow me, you got to eat my body and you got to drink my blood. And the people says, hold on. This is a strange doctor. I don't want to drink your blood. As long as he was fishing and giving them food, they were willing to follow him. But the moment the weight of the message came into their life, it made them second guess their walk with God. When Jesus began to preach to them, the Bible said, Many will walk away and scratch their head. And Jesus looked at Bishop Fields and says, After everything you heard me say, will you also leave? The disciples looked at him and said, Where? Where am I going to go? I need to, to look at somebody and say, Somebody, I don't have a backup plan. I came out here to stay till I die. I came out here to serve him. Everything I got is on God. Everything, my hope, my aspirations, and my faith. Touch three people up. Point to three people and say, don't lose it, don't lose it. Don't lose it. Don't lose it. Don't lose it. You can afford to lose a job, but don't lose your They can take your church title, but don't 
lose your faith. They can take your position, but don't don't lose it. Don't lose your faith. Don't lose it. I feel the Lord. Don't lose your faith. Don't lose your faith. Get somebody's attention. Tell them don't lose your faith. People, people would disappoint you. Come on, tell them people would disappoint you. Tell them I would disappoint you. But don't lose your faith. Don't. The church would disappoint you. But don't lose your faith. Your pastor would disappoint your parents. When my father and my father was saved, then the Lord, then the Lord, then the Lord, then the Lord. Don't lose it. Don't lose it. Don't lose your faith. There are moments in your life you're going to have to fight to believe. I said there are going to be moments you're going to have to fight to believe. Now I know I'm preaching this message at the... Can I take my jacket off? It's over. I'm finished. I want to be obedient. Ain't I want to be submitted. Listen. I know I'm preaching this message at the Apostolics Conference and saying don't lose your faith. And many people are like, all right, now yeah, we rooted and grounded. But the truth is, there are many of us have already checked out. Just because you show up don't mean you're faithful. You know what the Bible said? How? I'm sorry. You know what the Bible said? I'm going to say my voice for the kind of prayer this week. You know what the Bible said? A sign of the last day. Hey, last days. It is said many shall depart from the church. Many shall depart from the faith. In other words, there were people who will keep doing this, but they no longer believe in it anymore. They're doing it on autopilot. But I want you to lift up your hands and say, Lord, increase my faith. Increase my faith. Whatever I got to carry, whatever I got to go through, whatever my assignment is, Lord, increase my faith. Hey! How I've disappointed myself, but I don't want to lose my faith. I don't want to lose my faith. David says something like this. He says, What? Yeah. A man after God's own heart said, I went through a season of my life after being with God in the field as a child, worshiping God, trying to do right, and I go through a season where it looked like my whole family is falling apart. My, I know y'all keep bringing up Bathsheba, but that was a moment. That wasn't my pattern. But he did commit a door. What did you do? And how many times did you do it? I made one mistake and y'all want to keep bringing it up. He says, my foot. 
I want, I'm going to give y'all only 10 seconds. And I want all the perfect people. I'm going to give you a moment. You can sit down and take a break. I want to give y'all, okay, I said 10. I'm going to give y'all 15 seconds to praise God because he delivered you from the almost slip. One, two, ready. Oh, I already know. Almost. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. We pray something was said to encourage you to keep going. Make sure that you share and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Follow Bishop Younger across all social media platforms and visit our website at www.bishopyounger.com. And whatever you do, keep going.